Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. to set phasers hello aki hello steph here we are i'm grooving i'm hanging i'm just like chilling here yeah. oh i'm on vacation in the mirror universe mirror aki with That's his right. t-shirt on no bow tie just oh, i'm hanging out I'm just freaking <laughs> drinking drinks on the beach uh because i'm got an umbrella in your drink yes your i'm tea evil this me oh <laughs> i don't want to work <laughs> well. Oh, you crazy, crazy cat. Yes, indeed. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Set Phasers. It is star date 10828.8. And uh, we will be covering today episodes 11 and 12 of season one of Star Trek Discovery. Those are respectively oh. some great titles of these episodes. The Wolf Inside mm. and Vaulting Ambition. And so much happens in these episodes. So much, it's uh, it's mind boggling. It's it's kind of like head spinningly. So much yeah. is revealed. I'm so glad I have you to help me through this. I'm so glad that we have each other. Indeed. Okay, should we? I think we should. You know what to do. It's time to run it down. <laughs> Can you run it down for me? What just happened? Can you run it? Oh, yes. Okay, so before we get into it, get into it, just a reminder that at the end of the last episode, we found out that we were in the Mirror Universe, um, initially established in uh, the original series, I think in season two. Yes. An episode called Mirror Mirror. Mirror Mirror. Mirror Mirror. Okay. Yes. It's very hard to say. Uh, Mirror Mirror. Mirror Mirror. Uh, Come on down to Mirror Mirror. I had a friend at um, school who couldn't say that. She would say "mer." I think it's mer? an Irish thing. "Mer." Look in the look. look, look, mer, look mer. You know my Irish accent is terrible. <laughs> look in the mer. Yesterday I thought I had a pretty good Scottish one, but I am embarrassed to run it by you. Anyway, uh, okay. So we're in the mirror universe. Mm. It's, it's every, so established in several series. It's uh, it's where people have mustaches and goatees, and they're evil evil everything and uh, instead of starfleet there is the terran empire and it is ruled by a mysterious despotic emperor and uh it's sort of fascist and they've got the high fashion and the boots and the 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 mm. epaulets and everything is very oh so 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 that's where we find ourselves so let's just jump right in episode 11 the wolf inside we begin they're doing some repairs on the discovery which is all jacked up there's someone doing repairs in like a darkened airlock and they step out and they hear somebody saying strange words. And we come across in like an abandoned hallway, Lieutenant Paul Stamets holding the body of, well, his partner, Hugh, who is dead, Dr. Colbert. He died. He died. He died. He had his neck snapped by 
Ash Tyler right before he jumped off the ship. And we sort of know something's going on with Tyler, some sort of brainwashing that happened because of the the Klingons mm. and Lorel. But we, we haven't quite gotten to we haven't gotten to the the bottom of it. Anyway, he says the forest is dark, but I can see him through the trees, and that's just creepy. Mm, there's a lot of you yeah. know, mystical stuff going on there. Yeah, you're like, oh, dark forest, the trees, and see him, who's him, who's, yeah. Uh, so we then we cut to the Shenju. Michael has gone undercover with Lorca and Tyler, pretending to be themselves from this mirror universe. So she's pretending to be evil. She's taken over the captaincy of the Shenju, and she's in her quarters. They're very sumptuous. It's like a bathtub in them bad boys. And she's kind of like... She's not doing a captain's log, but it's basically a captain's log style thing. And there's we're seeing her interaction with the crew and how weird it feels to be the captain in this Terran empire. And she's sort of questioning whether she can hold on to her Starfleet ideals. And that's sort of mm. the battle against the wolf inside, you might say. And not lose herself. Not lose herself, indeed. One of the interesting things is that although this Kelpian doesn't have a name, Kelpians are basically slaves in this Terran empire. And it's definitely played by Doug Jones, but uh, but she says, "What's your name?" He says, "A slave has no name," which is so. Uh, anyway, I was like, "Well, that's Doug Jones for sure, though, man. I see him, and he's in the suit." And uh, after like seeing, you know, uh, oh, she watches some some dissenters get executed, and they just get transported into space to freeze to death. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's terrifying. They do. You get him with the. Mm-hmm. Ugh, death transport. Um, <laughs> so eventually it's her and Tyler in the bed as you may recall at the end of the last uh, episode things got a little steamy I have to adjust my glasses that's how steamy they got uh, between her and Tyler there was some on getting that got on <laughs> and uh, so they're lying in bed in a state of um, oh, relative déshabille, if you uh, pardon my way and uh, a little embrace a lover's embrace engaging in some pillow talk and that's what this monologue has been and tyler commiserates with her and he calls her his tether he says you bring me back you may remember from earlier episodes tyler was dealing with some sort of this yeah the thing the he's been having this like breaks where he loses time and then he realizes like oh he broke a glass or uh, he spaced out and wasn't in control of a ship and maybe that's what happened when he snapped mm. uh dr culbert's neck or something maybe anyway so he's saying you bring me back so i guess he's sort of like appointing michael as his tether to reality as they're fighting through this weird thing and anyway a kelpian comes in with some food and they like all get all weird and stuff and she's like go check on our prisoner and the kelpian has to like i don't it's oh it's so weird but um then she gets a call from the disco they're kind of like going back and forth Michael explains that she's been having trouble getting past the firewall to get the information that they need on the Defiant in order to find the way to get back to their home universe. And she asks how things are going on the ship. And they say, well, Stamets is still out of commission after that weird jump, but they don't tell her about Dr. Colbert having been killed. And then they, you know, uh, <laughs> Saru says, I'm just so curious. Have you run into any uh, Kelpians there? And Michael's like, uh, mm. no. Because I guess she didn't want to go into it. But she had a Kelpian slave on the ship. Yeah, she literally has a Kelpian slave attendant that feeds her and bathes her. So on the disco, Tilly, Sylvia Tilly and Saru are basically trying to figure out how to get Stamets back in order. Because if they can't get this information on the Defiant, 
They're going to have to have Stamets get the spore drive working. And so Tilly is basically like, listen, this is not a medical problem. This is a spore drive problem. So I think you should let me work on it. And so eh, Saru's like, okay, we can do that. We'll see how that goes. Meanwhile, on the Shenju, Michael gets uh, a, a mission, a missive from the, the flagship of the Imperium. And Captain Maddox tells her that they've found out the hiding place of the rebel contingent and uh, one of their main leaders, the, what is he called? The Firewolf, a Klingon it's called the Firewolf. And they say, you, we found the base and we just want you to fly in there and just blow it up. And she goes, okay. Uh, and then when she hangs up the call, her people are like, okay, we got the targeting things all lined up. Are you ready to blow these people? And she's like, no, you don't anticipate what I say. She kind of like over the top bluffs. And she's like, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to get the information we need to end this war once and for all. And they're like, what? And she's like, yeah, that's right. Anyway, so she tricks him and she's like, I'll go to the surface and I'll figure it out. And that's when we hit the credits. Boom, 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 boom. Credits. Michael goes to talk to Lorca after the credits and she's sort of like, this is the situation. Do I have to kill all these thousands of, you know, rebels? And he's like, you got to do it. Otherwise we'll never get back. You got to stay undercover. And she's like, I think she says, basically there's got to be another way. I refuse to lose the part of me that is Starfleet just to survive. Otherwise survival is pointless. Mm. And so she goes, I, I will find another way. And Lorca advises her, okay, if you're going to do it, then you got to figure out you just, you and Tyler go down. Don't bring anyone else. And you you do what you need to do. Negotiate with the wolf. Meanwhile, Tilly and Saru have got Stamets in the mushroom chamber. And they're doing the spore thing to him. And basically the thinking is that the spore network is inside his mind. It's so weird and complicated the way they try to describe this. But basically the spores have taken over the part of his mind that is like his frontal lobes. And the synapses are firing in ways that can't be measured because they're not just firing on his mind, they're firing like interdimensionally. And so they're like, his brain is inside the mycelial network. So we need to put him inside the, so that he can get anyway. So whatever Starfleet jargon, but it's great. And they put him in the thing and he starts to react to it and they're feeling happy about that. But then just jumping ahead because this is the rundown. He has like a cardiac arrest or something and they freak out and they have to do, but like the, clear the paddles on him and stuff and uh yeah Tilly gets pretty worried although she feels confident that she's doing the right thing that there's more brain activity she says i'm the only i'm the most qualified person with the spore drive mm -hmm. and this is yeah. a spore issue this is a spore issue that's right tilly tilly don't be silly sometimes tilly don't be silly yeah go ahead space is wide This is Tilly time because um, yeah. she is trying to save the day. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Michael and Tyler go down to the planet. It's like a rock blasted landscape and they're fired upon immediately. But Michael stops Tyler from returning fire. And they are like surrounded by these rebels who are was sort of described. But now we get to see it in this episode. It's Andorians, Vulcans, Klingons, and... Uh, Maybe there's one more that I'm forgetting. Oh, I didn't remember. I was... Durians, Vulcans, mm. and Klingons, which is already pretty exceptional. That might be it for this alliance. I did find it amusing that 
the Andorians didn't get a, a new look, but it was like, cool, there's your regular Andorian. They were like, you guys remember Shan from Enterprise? We're yeah. just going to go with that. Same or, yep. same makeup. So, yep. He has a slightly, he says like one or two words. He's like, we don't trust her or whatever. But I don't know. I, I like the Andorians and I really loved them in Enterprise. And I know that's sacrilegious to say that I loved anything about Enterprise, but <laughs> I stand by it. Anyway, uh, she says, listen, I'm here to negotiate. I need to talk to the one you call the Firewolf. And we're here against our emperor's orders to negotiate and we can help each other. And so they take their weapons and they take them to see the Firewolf. And who should be the Firewolf but it's Volk! The torchbearer himself, Volk, mm. with his uh, beautiful, weird alabaster, limestone, gray, ashen skin. Uh, he's not quite as eloquent, but he still isn't. He still is commanding, right? Yeah. He still has like this charisma yeah, to him. Right. I thought he sounded different rather than speaking in Klingon. He spoke in English, and you're like, oh, it takes away something from yeah. him there. There's something beautiful yeah. about the Klingon. Hey, you don't have I to know. tell me twice. As my, <laughs> I love me some Klingon. That, look at you. That's not too bad. You added you added one syllable. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Anyway, yeah, he's sort of like, hi, I am Volk. And you're like, nah. Uh, but I did wonder, I know we talked about this before. Like, is that is that Tyler in the suit? Was he was he being Volk? I didn't think we did talk about it, but I guess it must be. This must be a thing we've just talked about <laughs> amongst ourselves. We must have just, yeah. in the mirror universe, we did this. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I think that's when he has his moment of like, oh, what's going mm-hmm. on? Yeah. And has his PTSD stress out because yes. he's like meeting himself. You know, that's yes. the time travel thing where you meet yourself. Yeah, you shouldn't meet yourself. And he's like partially him and partially not him. Also, this Volk is like very about, he's like, I'm Klingon, I'm about honor, but it's also about the honor of us joined together in order to have freedom for all species to throw off the oppressor of the Terrans, which is counter to the rhetoric of Takuvma and Volk in the main universe. And so every time Volk here, the, oh, excuse me, every time the, the Firewolf says something, we hear like a Volk or Takuma version of that that's sort of the opposite he's like we got to get together and then Takuma's like you know remain Klingon he's like we got to do this and he's like I'll never do that so this is Tyler's doing this in the background as Michael is negotiating and they say we don't know if we can trust a Terran ever but we'll bring out the prophet and who should be the prophet but the prophet is Sarek as an, as an aside. With his evil goatee. He's got an evil goatee, which I loved because that's such a throwback to the TOS. Yeah. <laughs> You're evil. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Vulcan with a goatee, and he's like a weirdly religious, the prophet, and he mind melts with Michael, and he sort of learns that she's not from here, or this universe, but that she can be trusted. And uh, maybe he he gleans a little bit um that what their relationship is in the other universe. And so he vouches for her. And so she says, listen, I'm going to let you guys get out of here. You got to move quick. I'm going to give you an hour. All I ask is that you uh, trade me some information and you guys get out of here and then I'm going to blow up the ship, but I need to make it look good. You know? And then she's also like questioning Volk about how does he get his Klingon philosophy to work in a way that is cooperative because she thinks bringing that back to the federation could be the end of the war a diplomatic a cultural denouement to aggression 
which honestly, I think it's it's overlooked when we watch these episodes that Michael divines that that possibly the best thing they can get out of this mirror universe is finding a way to cease conflict with the Klingons. But whenever, you know, people are so like, discovery so dark, so sad, so dark and evil. All they do is kill each other and betray each other. But, you know, Starfleet comes shining through. Why am I here? I'm sorry. I took a, an excursion into Kapla Corner. I apologize. I yeah. And no one is arguing with me, <laughs> but I decided to have an <laughs> argument. Uh, so they agree. And then Tyler freaks out and he starts speaking in Klingon and he's like, Klingon, and he starts fighting with Volk and they have like a full on battle and he loses, which is good because yeah. he was really, he was shooting to kill and Volk is like too honorable to kill him, which is like, nice. This is real Klingon stuff right here. He like, he bests him and then he's on the ground and he's got the Klingon dagger and he throws it down. Like he's going to throw it into, yeah. but it throws it into the ground next to his head. And he's like, you must leave now. And Michael's like, I'm sorry about him. He's against my wishes. He's doing that. And so, you know, she's livid with him, but they managed to make it work. She gets a little packet of information that he's like, this won't be relevant after by the time you work it out. Now get out of here before things go bad. They walk out of the tent and they transport up and then they get back to the Shenju. And I turn my page over and Michael's, Take, they immediately go back to her quarters and Michael's like, you got to tell me what is going on because this is no longer cool. Do not like it. And he's sort of like, uh, uh, brainwashing. Uh, it's not just brainwashing. She, oh, yeah, because she yep. says they brainwashed you. And he goes, it's not just brainwashing. I feel like he's inside of me, the wolf inside. And uh, she's like, what, 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 what? They just met with the firewolf, the wolf inside. I mean, <laughs> the writing. Guys, I just want to, if you are a writer on Star Trek Discovery and you're watching or listening to this for some unknown reason, I applaud you. Tyler basically explains, he's like remembering that they like, they like created him and they're getting weird flashbacks. And then at some point he just like clicks, he clicks out of Tyler and into Volk completely. And Michael sees it. And then he sees Michael and he remembers that she's the one who killed Takuma as, as Volk. He no longer has the feelings of Ash Tyler. And he therefore attacks Michael. He's like, you killed my mentor and now I will destroy you. And so he's literally killing her. Uh, managed to get to like knock her phaser aside. He's choking her. Uh, he's like showing no pity. It's like, you know, total dead face. And then just before it's lights out, uh, a Kelpian just rips him, throws him like halfway across the room Kelpians are strong, apparently. Mm -hmm. Hello. And yeah. the Kelpian is like, he was trying to attack the captain, and they drag Tyler off. Uh, and she's like, on the ground, Michael has to snap out of it because she has to be a Terran. So he has to be like, ugh. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and actually her first her first officer is like, mm, we're going to kill him right away. <laughs> and Michael's like, uh, yeah, I guess so. So they're going to execute Tyler and... She's got an explanation, but it's not a great explanation, and it's kind of screwed up, and he tried to kill her. Uh, we go back to the disco now after Stamets had his cardiac arrest. He's in a, basically a kind of a coma, but according to Tilly's instruments, there's something going on in his mind. And uh, we zoom into the mind, and then we find, boom, Paul Stamets is inside the mycelial network in these, like, neon spores. And he turns around, and he's talking to somebody, and who should he be talking to? But another Paul Stamets. 
a Terran Paul Stanowitz who's got the whole weird imperial thing on and he's like oh i wondered when you'd get here so that's like a just a dun 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 left hanging in this episode we go to tyler's execution and you know michael goes up to him and says you know do you have any last words anything you want to say he basically does not he starts popping off in the mouth michael punches him in the gut boom which i don't know if this was like a cover-up for the thing that she winds up putting on his person or if she did that some other way because they don't really make it clear i think she must have done it then you know that's the sort of sucker punch and then like sticks the so that he didn't even data in his cargo pants pocket or whatever that was yeah it's like his like lower phaser his like phaser pistol pocket or something on his kneecap so they they jettison him out and bounce and tyler's floating in space it looks like he's dying but then can only have been a second or As two. As he's starting yeah. to freeze, Disco picks him up, and he he's in, like, the transporter room, and uh, Saru is there, but they know. Somehow Michael got the information out, so there must have been some sort of secret communique, and they know that he's got the information from the firewall, which they're not going to crack, and they send him to the brig. And so Michael goes to talk to Lorca towards the end of the episode. And she's like, I don't know if I'm going to get through. And he's like, you got to. I trust you. I know you're going to get us through this. I have utter faith in you. And as that's happening, a new ship appears. It still hasn't been an hour. So the, the, uh, the rebel encampment has not escaped. A new ship appears, uh, locks targets, and fires on the uh, rebel base, just summarily. And Michael's like, who is it? Who is it? Who is yeah. it? That's right. Yeah. And then after that's done, there's an incoming message from the ship and it's the emperor. And when the emperor shows up, it is none other than Philippa Giorgio. And that is the end of episode 11. I am stunned how quickly you went through that. That's right. I am sweating a little bit. I'm going to do my my customary (laughs) drink break there for a second. Please do. (sighs) Wow. So much. You would think, okay, episode 11 was crazy. Giorgio's the emperor. Volk is Tyler. Tyler is Volk. Stamets is talking to Stamets. Stamets is with himself. Yeah, Stamets is with himself, who's his other self. And what the what the what the what. So we start episode 12, Vaulting Ambition. Probably going to be like a fun holodeck episode, right? Like, uh, okay, that was crazy. (laughs) Now Sherlock Holmes is on the loose. Uh, (laughs) If we only had fun holodeck episodes in discovery we don't sadly yeah this is a weird one where we have to solve a crime or yeah there's a lounge singer who's our best friend all right and we're back okay episode 12 of star trek discovery vaulting ambition begins on a shuttle michael and Lorca, and they are flying in a shuttle and they're headed from the shenzhou to the imperial flagship which i believe is called well they call it the charon it's a hard c I wrote yes. it down, but I've always pronounced that Sharon. Let's go with Sharon, because Sharon to me just sort of sounds like someone you you know down the pub. Oh, I know Sharon down the pub. Yeah, you're really oh, you're I... trying to fool me into doing my Scottish accent, but I'm not going to fall for yes. it. Yes. <laughs> well, I only know because Sharon, <laughs> Sharon. or Sharon. Uh-huh. No, stop. <laughs> uh, because Sharon, Sharon, or Karen, depending on how you want to pronounce it is the Greek god who is the boatman who ferries you across the river Styx from the land of, like, uh, purgatory into the land. Lots of Greek mythology in this discovery. Mm-hmm. Well, it, because the Terrans are Terrany, they're going to be nice. all about their whole Terran thing. So it's, it's a cool little reference if you're a super-duper nerd and you know that kind of thing. Also, Karen, 
Charon Sharon is the name of Pluto, the dwarf planet's moon, which is basically the same size as Pluto. Again, do you care? Is Pluto the one that got demoted? I forget. That's right, to dwarf planet, from planet yes. to dwarf planet. Because its moon, well, for many reasons, but also one of them is its moon is so big. Its moon is the same size as it. Okay. And the moon's name is Charon. Anyway, here's the Imperial ship. It's crazy. It looks like all of Las Vegas in space with a sun underneath it. Uh, it's bonkers, uh, Charon. Anyway, Michael and Lorca have to go there because Michael has been summoned by the emperor, who we now know is Emperor Giorgio. Oh, this is the quote that I was talking about earlier. I just love that Lorca's trying to like talk her. He's like, hey, man, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And, she go- and he goes like, your Giorgio is dead. This is a ghost. And Michael's response is, haven't you ever been afraid of ghosts? Which I just thought was ominous. Uh, so they, oh, yeah. And that's basically where we go to the credits. So it's great. Like, boom, cold open. We're about to enter this weird casino complex floating palace in the sky with a sun underneath it. Welcome to the Terran Empire and mofos. <laughs> Meanwhile, on uh, Disco, Stamus is sort of recovering from the coma, but not really. Re- he's like, he's doing, he's stable. And uh, as uh, Saru and Tilly are talking about it, Saru is called away for a medical emergency. And we, as that happens, we go into Stamus's mind and it's Stamus talking to Stamus. And we realize that there's two Stamuses here. And because I like to take <clears throat> very copious notes, I call one T Stam. And I call one Stam. T-Stam is the Terran Stamets, and Stam, or Stamets, is the regular Stamets. So from here on out, T-Stam. Terran Stamets. Evil Stamets. Yes, okay. exactly. Terran Stamets. Okay. So Stamets is talking to T-Stam, and he's like, hey, man, I've been waiting for you. I've been lost in here because I was doing the same experiments on my ship, and I'm also in a coma, and I've been stuck in the mycelial network for who knows how long. It's been too long. And so I was trying to reach out to you uh, when you were connecting to the the network, and I was sending you images of where I was. Like, I was trying to show you the ship, and I was trying to show you what I remember from my thing, and that sort of explains the whole thing when he's like, oh, it's no wonder I was seeing images of palaces and Tilly as the captain and blah, 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 because it was, it was T-Stam sending messages to Stamets that were like, this is my world. You must come talk to me. Anyway, now they're both stuck in there because they're both too dedicated to their science in different ways, and they both wound up inside uh, the mycelial network. And T-Stam, he's like, you have to help us figure a way to get out of here. They're chased at one point by some kind of weird entity coming down the hallway. They're in Discovery, but it's like a mycelial, it's like a holodeck episode. Hey, yeah, what do you mean? Evil holodeck you episode. Stuck in a holodeck, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, mycelial holodeck episode. And there's something corrupted inside of the mycelial network. They have to run away from it and they get to their thing and they're working on stuff. So while they're working on and talking, Colbert shows up in his like full white, you know, Dr. Suit, and he goes, uniform, yeah. Paul, and then just walks out the door. And so Stamets runs after him because he's like, oh, my God, Paul, he's running. And uh, the other T-Stam is like, no, what are you doing? Don't get distracted. You have work to do. So they're on a chase. Merry chase through the mycelial network, evil holodeck. Meanwhile, on Charon. Thank you. Fine. Call him Charon. Uh, we are treated to an imperial, an imperial audience with Giorgio, and if you don't mind, if we have a little time, I'd like to read off her titles here. Please do. <clears throat> her Most Imperial Majesty, Mother of the Fatherland, Overlord of Vulcan, Dominus of Kronos, Regina Andor, 
All hail the Emperor Philippa, Giorgio, Augustus, Ioponius, Centarius. Good Lord. And it is Giorgio, but in like, she's there in her imperial finery. She has like the high collar and everything, a cape. She has like a scepter. Her makeup is like super high end. It's great. I love it, but it's like so intense. And the haircut as well. The haircut is super badass. Yeah. And she's very haughty. Oh, you mean haughty, not like haughty. Haughty. She's very, very haughty. (laughs) Yes. I don't know. This might be, this is like a New York versus. No, it's probably like an American versus British thing. Yeah. Yes. She's very. I'm like, oh, you said, you said haughty like I do. She's very haughty. No, I would. She's very haughty. Well, she's, listen, she's looking great in all her finery. She looks like uh, an emblem of excess and totalitarianism. But, you know, George is looking good. It's great to see her again. You know, I've missed her. Yeah. At this point. And I think Michael feels the same way. In any case, she walks up with her prisoner, Lorca. I can do a quick recap. Basically, in their realm, Lorca was trying to overthrow the emperor, and Michael was a favored captain of the emperor. And so she went after Lorca. Lorca killed her. Apparently, people think he killed her. And then when Lorca was on the run, and so Michael and Lorca from our universe, or the main universe, are pretending to be those two, and she's pretending that she hunted him down instead of revealing that she was alive until she could find him and bring him to justice. So that's why they're there. There's some bowing. Giorgio asks Mike to pick one. And Michael looks, and there's three Kelpians dressed in, like, drab rags. And she's like, Ugh. And Georgia's like, you you know how to pick a good one. And uh, Michael's like, um, okay, that one. And they go, okay. And, he, and that one walks off. And I think that one is Paul Doug Jones again. I, I didn't think so. I thought the one next to him was Doug Jones. Because the one next to the one that she picked was taller, and I thought, that looked much more like Doug Jones. Yes. But then I also got confused because I thought Doug Jones already was her Kelpian slave. Yeah, I thought they were just throwing him in wherever. You know, they were like, it's cool. She's, whatever it is, she's seeing Saru everywhere. Um, So the Kelpian walks away. Lorca is brought before the emperor. He talks a little bit of smack. She grabs like her scepter and bangs him upside the head. And then uh, says basically that he will be uh, tortured for the rest of an unnaturally long life because she wants to see him suffer. And there's a quote that I will bring up later at quotable moments time when I have to scramble for my papers that I throw. (laughs) I I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting that I need to write the quote somewhere else. (laughs) Uh, And then Georgia walks up to Michael and says, "Uh, you've been away too long. And she calls her dear daughter as she embraces her. And uh, she says, hey, we're going to go have, bring let her rest and then bring her to my chambers for some dinner tonight. Uh, so it's like, okay, it's a weird, I don't know, evil, haughty, but, uh, and also vengeful against Lorca, but she seems to like Michael. She's glad Michael's back, so maybe that's good. I don't know. At this point, we don't know what's going on. Meanwhile, on the disco, Tyler is being restrained. He's like half Vogue, half Tyler. He's like beating his head against things. He's freaking out. When he's uh, lucid as Tyler, he asks Saru to help him. And when he's not, he's screaming about being a Vulcan and doing verses. And it's intense. Meanwhile, back on the Charon. I just can't even. If you say Sharon, then I'm just going to go, I can't. Because it's like, all right, Sharon, I love a Chardonnay. Oh, nope. No, 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 no. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Charon. 
Meanwhile, back on the Charon, um, Lorca is uh, thrown into an agonizer and he is screaming his head off. While he's doing that, Giorgio, Giorgio and Michael are having like a lovely dinner. <laughs> It's almost sort of classical music. Doo, doo, doo. I love that juxtaposition because he's like, <laughs> and they're like, hmm. yes, exactly. Yeah, and Michael's like, mm, this food is delicious as always. And Georgia says, uh, yes, of course. Uh, our chef is one of the best at preparing Kelpian. And Michael's like, what? And at that moment, Georgia takes a chopstick. She's like, here, have my ganglia. And uh, she feeds Michael a Kelpian ganglia. And I thought it was funny because they were on chopsticks. Yes. Well, it was perfect, but also awful. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Wow. Anyway, it's very squiddy. I mean, ganglia would be. Why wouldn't they be? Uh, So anyway, threat ganglia ganglia are also like uh, stir-fried ganglia. So um, they're eating Kelpian and they're talking, and Michael's sort of playing the part. She's like, if you miss me, why don't you just tell me instead of beating around the bush? Uh, she's realizing she can kind of speak freely when there's just her and the emperor. And then Giorgio reveals that, no, Michael didn't know the whole story, our Michael. That, in fact, what had happened was that the Michael and Lorca, T. Michael and T. Lorca, <laughs> from the Terran universe, we're conspiring together to overthrow her. Surprise, surprise. Can you hit me with the dun-dun-dun? Yes, they were conspiring together. Apparently, when Michael was brought to Giorgio as a young child, she was an infant, an orphan, and uh, Lorca was a father figure. So in Terran universe, rather than going to Sarek, yes. she goes to Giorgio. That's right. She goes to Giorgio, and her father figure, instead of being Sarek, is... Lorca. Lorca. And then it gets a bit creepy. Yeah, I mean, I'm jumping around a little bit here, but essentially it's revealed that Lorca and Michael were an item and they were attempting to overthrow Giorgio. Um, So uh, the mother-daughter thing is just not flying. And Giorgio knows that, so she's been playing the part of Imperial Wrath, but she's actually much cleverer than we gave her credit for. Like the real Giorgio, she's no fool. Mm. Meanwhile, the Stamitzes are running around in Discovery. In the Mycelial Network. And excuse me, in the Mycelial Network's fake version of Discovery because it makes Stamitz's mind comfortable. And Stamitz follows Hugh into their room and uh, they talk. And he basically says, like, listen, I don't want to go back to life I, I like it here because he knows that hugh is dead but he sort of is denying it and he he was like no i'm dead but i think this is all in stamets's mind so i think it's only because stamets knows that he was dead that he knows that he was dead or is it the mycelial yeah. network talking to him who knows it's crazy in there but hugh basically tells him like hey man you have to get out of here you got to fix the network it's screwed up and the reason it's screwed up is because of t-stam t-stam whatever his experiments were or what messed up the mycelial network. And T. Stam was like knocking on the door. And Stamets basically is told by Hugh that he's got to like, what does he say? I have the actual quote. It's another forest thing. Oh, he says like, find the opening in the forest. Damn, I wish I had so many notes. <sighs> okay. Anyway, back on the Sharon. Sharon. <sighs> You're right. <laughs> Meanwhile, back on the Sharon. Uh, Giorgio is about to execute Michael 
because she's like, I know that you, whatever. And she has assembled all her lords, like 10 lords. Uh, and right, she asked Michael, do you have any last words? And Michael does have some last words. She's like, hey, I'm not from your universe. I'm from a different universe, a parallel universe. Uh, I come from the Federation planets. I'm here. I'm just trying to get out. And you need to uh, let me go. And she says, I can prove it. She still has Giorgio's, her Giorgio's, Captain Giorgio's communicator badge. So she hands the communicator badge to Giorgio. And she's like, if you test this, you'll see that the quantum signature is from a different universe. It's subtle, but it's there. I'm not the, the Michael that betrayed you. I'm a different Michael altogether. We have never met before. Giorgio puts it on like a little pad, tests it, gets the quantum results. It's all like right by her little chair. <laughs> of course. Why wouldn't it yeah, be? Because she's not, she's not just the captain of a starship. She is the emperor of a, of a star kingdom. Vegas. Yeah. She's in a big Vegas. So the captain's chair is like an Uber Uber captain's chair. Anyway, she realizes it and Michael explains, like, that's my Giorgio. She was my captain. We were close as well. Uh, and Giorgio says, hmm, what a quaint concept. Parallel universe. As she's deep in thought, she reaches out and picks up something and she throws it. And it's like a like a throwing star, digital, super futuristic. Anyway, it goes through everybody's head. Everyone except Michael and Lord Ealing. Uh, so she kills 10 of her lords. Were they lords leaping? Or they were 12 uh, lords leaping? I forget. They, well, they were, uh, they were uh, collapsing. Um, because their heads, lords their brains were being... 10 lords collapsing, except Lord <laughs> Ealing. So... Uh, she kills everyone. She tells Lord Ealing, hey, clean this up and I won't kill you and I'll make you the governor of Vulcan or Andor. I forget which one she promises. Andor, I believe. Andor. And then Giorgio goes to Michael. Oh, excuse me. The emperor, Giorgio, goes to Michael and says, looking at the combat, this is from the United Federation of Planets. And apparently, so are you. So she knows about the parallel universe. Well, which I guess makes sense because of the defined... Which, as we discussed in the last episode, in the future of the main thing gets lost in the past of the thing that they're in now. It's too complicated. Don't worry about it anyway. They know about the Divine in the Mirror Universe. Back on Disco, Saru is approaching Lorel because he needs help taking care of, of what's going on with Ash. And it's freaking everyone out. And he asks Lorel, he's like, listen, what did you do to him? And she's like, in this, she's doing great. She's like a prisoner and she's like meditating with her facing the wall, like not even looking at it. And Saru brings food and she's like, you must want something. And he's like, I need you to help me, you know, whatever you did to him. And she explains what they did to Tyler and Volk. It makes very little sense. She says Tyler was their prisoner and they took his DNA and rebuilt him. She says they took the original Tyler captive, used his DNA to remake him or something, and restructured his memories, like re recreated him. But then they, quote, grafted the psyche of Volk into him. So it's really Volk inside of Tyler's body and psyche. Um, it's still confusing what's happening. Yeah, you're a lot like, of flashes of organs being like singed together. Slash brainwash, body wash, who knows? So anyway, that's what's happening. Yeah. So Lorel's like, hey, and he did it for the cause. There's a great quote, which I will do in quotable moments, but she's like, if he's suffering now, he knew what he was up for. That's what you do when you're a soldier. And so, no, I will not help you fix him. And she's like, this is war. 
And she, without even taking the food, just goes back to sit on her bench in meditation. It's a pretty badass scene for Laurel. I wish that we had theme music for Laurel because I forgot how badass she is when she wants to be badass. Anyway, back on Charon. Michael is like talking to Giorgio now that's just the two of them she's like you need to free my captain because of oh so this actually happened before it's revealed that whatever she's like you should free Lorca because he's not from your universe either we're just trying to get out of here we wanted to get the defiant data so that we could find the place that's interphasic space which is how the defiant got into the mirror universe and back and Georgia says like what are you insane? They came here through interphasic space and it drew, drove the whole crew crazy and they killed each other, like tore themselves apart. You can't go through interphasic space. You won't survive. She's like, how did you get here? And Michael tells her straight up, we used an interdimensional sport drive. And George is like, okay, I'll let you go. I'll give you your freedom if you give me the like plans for your, your drive. Everybody wants the discovery sport drive. Bell of the ball. That's when she really discovers that Lorca... Oh, yes. Giorgio's like, Lorca, whether he's your Lorca or uh, in the other universe, my Lorca was treacherous. If I'm as intelligent as the Giorgio from your universe and you're as steadfast as the Michael from my universe, then your Lorca is also an evil Lorca. He's conniving and evil because he, the way he turned you against me was saying that you were destined to be together and blah, blah, blah. So we get another scene of descriptions of things that happen in one place and them happening in a similar way in the main universe and it's the way all the times that Lorca was like oh big universe out there and somehow we were pulled together he's like yeah you know I find you I knew that you could do it I trust you you know all this stuff that he's like been talking to Michael this whole time and apparently it's the same thing that the Lorca here did to turn the Michael to uh treason and so George is not really convinced that they should release Lorca and she's like uh you should trust me uh um, I'm a woman of my word, just like the George on your planet. So give me the the schematics and I'll let you go free. Uh, and so Michael communicates with Saru and says, you should come meet us um, because that's the only way we're going to get out of here. And meanwhile, on Disco, Saru comes back and he's like, hey, you're still not going to help. He shows her a picture of Tyler had like gotten free of his bonds and like tried to rip his heart out of his chest or something. It was like really rough. And she's like, eh, I'm still not going to help. And he goes, okay. And then he transports Tyler's, like, limp body, no life support or anything, just, like, you know, passed out into the cell with Laurel because he's like, I think you care about him, and I think you'll help us. And he goes, this is war. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Saru, coming into your own. I love it. Uh, so she says, like, uh, yes, this can be reversed, but only by my hands. Yes, she says, only, but it can be undone, but only my hands can tend to him. Yes. Uh, so, okay, things are coming to a crux here. Then I got to bring both papers out because this is where it gets crazy. Uh, Stamets is talking to Hugh. Hugh was like, you need to get out there. T-Stam is knocking on the door. This is in the Mycelial Network. He says, you got to save us. You're the only one who can do it. Follow the music. Look for the clearing in the forest. And then he says, all you have to do, you're in a coma on the ship. All you have to do is open your eyes. And so he does. But both Stamuses wake up. Stamets wakes up on the Sharon, and Stamets wakes up on Discovery. And he's like, we got to get some stuff done. So that's another hanging thread. Stamets always leaving us with the hanging threads. Meanwhile on, meanwhile on Charon. Meanwhile on Charon, Charon. Lorca is in the Agonizer and... Uh, captain whose name i just forgot i wrote it down but he's the one that runs the uh, it's on the floor over there 
Wait, hold on. I got it. Yeah. I wrote down oh, his yeah. name, and I remember being like, you should make sure that you don't you, you forget. Take your time. Captain Maddox. But, but Captain Maddox is the captain of the flagship. So it's the emperor ship, but I think it's Maddox. So he comes in, and he's like, get out of here. I want to talk to this guy. And apparently he has some unfinished business with Lorca. Something about his sister, or maybe Lorca left her for dead or something. Anyway, Lorca's like, this sounds personal. He's like, damn right, it's personal. Uh... And so Lorca's like, uh, you know, he's like, what did you do with my sister? And Lorca's like, uh, uh, he's like kind of backpedaling, being, being, you know, keep keeping his cover. Uh, like, uh, I did something to her. I don't know. And they say, like, uh, they pull out, like, this thing, and they're like, we're going to kill one of your crewmates from from the Buran. So they drag in this kid, and he's like, uh, uh, it's Lorca. You know, he thinks he's seeing the captain, uh, Lorca, who led him in the rebellion. And they're like... It's weird. Maddox just wants, like, revenge. He just wants Lorca to say the name of the sister that he left for dead, maybe, or something. We're never really clear on what happened with the sister. He's like, say her name, or we're going to kill this guy. To all intents and purposes, how the hell would Lorca from the main universe know the name of this guy's sister? He just knows that he's a badass. So uh, he just kind of doesn't, and they wind up killing that cadet. And it's like, hit him with the thing, and he, like, explodes in blood and guts. And then... Captain Maddox really starts losing it, and uh, he's, like, mm. turning the agonizer way up. Anyway, while that's happening, uh, on the disco, at the same time, a different kind of agony is taking place. Laurel has some sort of laser gloves on, and she's, like, laser gloving. It's really weird. No questions asked. Whatever. Where did she get the laser gloves from? But, like, it was, like, wee gloves or something. And then she just have stuck her hands on his head and then, like, pulled Voke from him. Like, what? Yeah, totally. Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. So she laser-brained his head with her laser fingers. And Tyler's like, bloop, 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 saying a lot of stuff in Klingon. And then he's saying stuff in English. And it's the whole um, mother, give me water, sister, hide me, brother, hold me. I forget what it was. I didn't write it down because he didn't say it all in Klingon. But I will... Some other time. I'll probably put it on a t-shirt because it's great. Uh, and in the end, Laurel does the Klingon death scream. She's like, and at that point, we're meant to think, okay, Voke has died. Voke has died. She's pulled she has Voke from, from the... She's pulled the psyche that was grafted into Tyler of Voke out of him with her laser hooks. Yep. Sure. Okay. So now... The final scenes, two things are happening at once. Michael is talking to the emperor and the Captain Maddox is like a freaking out on Lorca. He's like turning the, the, the agonizer way up. And eventually Lorca basically just passes out. And at the same time, uh, Giorgio is really explaining exactly how Lorca's treachery worked in their universe uh, in turning Michael against her, their Michael, the T Michael against Georgia. And at that point, uh, the ship passes by a sun or something. I don't know. Georgia's looking out the window. Oh, it's the sun from underneath the, the ship, isn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah, the sun that the ship travels on. The Vegas ship thing. Yep. There's a sun under sun. it. Whatever. I guess it's sort of like a fusion core. I'm not going to explain it, but I will think about it nonstop. <laughs> Uh, and so the light catches her eye, and Georgiou reveals that she's sensitive to light. Hit me with a dun-dun-dun. 
And Michael's like, Michael's like, you're sensitive to light? And Georgiou says, yes, it's the only significant biological difference between your human species and my human species. Also indicating that she knows, again, that there's there's a difference, that she's aware of uh, the other universe. At the same time, Lorca, who, note to self, very sensitive eyes to light, but he says it happened in the Boron accident, something happened to his eyes. He passes out. Maddox pulls him out of the tube and he's like, don't you down me. I want to make you suffer even more. I'm going to kill you myself. And then as he's doing that, Lorca's like, no, you're not. And he like, boop. And he chokes the guy to death with like a phone cord or something. Isn't it the paddles? It's the, it's the, yes. It's the paddles that you use to revive someone. But the connecting yep. thing is like the old school yep. phone cords. And so he chokes him to death and he's like, Ugh. he's basically about to die. And, and that's when we realize Michael has the realization, like, your eyes are sensitive. My Lorca is not my Lorca. He's your Lorca. And he's been using me this whole time to get to, to Captain Giorgio. And at that moment, Lorca gets up and he says to Captain Maddox, her name was Ava, but you know, someone better came along. The end. Bolting ambition. Whew. What a vacation we have had here. In the mirror universe, and it's not nearly over. Oh my goodness. I'm so twisted up, I forgot what we do next. Oh, stats. Uh, there's yeah. no real do we have stats. No, there's no real stats. There's no set phasers. This is all topsy turvy. We could do a stat of how many times uh how many dot dot duns we had, maybe. Yeah, dun dun duns. I don't know. I think I wrote that we would have six or seven, but I think it might have been six. Um hardly feels worth it. It's true. Well, you know what? Would be worth it. Hit him with one more dun-dun-dun, please. Vaulting ambition. Fun. Yeah, it's great. Star Trek Discovery is great. Everything about this is great. And I've had the time of my life. And I think it's time for quotable moments. Oh, do you? Quotable moments. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Potts. Okay. I have a couple, which I referenced earlier. But I will just do the ones that I really loved so that we don't have to spend forever here uh, living inside my head. Uh, I really loved where the the title of episode 12 gets its title when Lorca is brought before uh, Giorgio, the, the emperor, for the first time and talks a bunch of smack and she hits him in the head. She says to him, your life will be long, Gabriel, and every single moment of it will be spent in our agonizers. A fair price to pay for your vaulting ambition. That's have yeah, oh. Uh, and I love this thing when Saru is asking um Lorel for help, uh, getting Ash Tyler back. Um, she basically says, Listen, we we set this all up so that folk could could figure this out, and Saru doesn't really understand. And she says, Listen, we grafted his psyche into the body that we recreated from the captured DNA of the guy, and we reconstructed the memories. And in so doing, that's where the quote begins, Volk has given his body and soul for our ideology. If he suffers for that choice, so be it. He accepted that suffering in order to best the enemy. That is what it means to be a soldier. That is war. That's that's pretty great. That's like real nice, you know, you really get to peer into the the mind of uh, Dare Klingons. Uh, and I think that's my only, uh, those are the only really important quotes. The rest are in my notes and you can, uh, 
never see them. All right. I think it's time to hit us with the next time. Let's do it. Next time on Set Phasers. Oh, yes. We want to, like, um, next time. So these were episodes 10. No. And it was 11 and 12. 11 and 12. Yeah. And... Uh, I think we're going to do two episodes next time, right? Are you down for that? Stuff? Yeah, I'm down for that. We've got to catch up. We have to catch up. We have so little time. <laughs> we have so little time. Yes. Um, before season three comes out. And we're all very excited about season three. So, I don't know. We'll be doing two episodes next week. I did not look up the names of the episodes. We'll be doing episodes 13 and 14. Yep. Oh, no. But I bet I remember them. First of all... Episode 13 is the craziest episode and it's called Past His Prologue. And episode 14. Come on, extract is, it from your mind, Palace. Uh, is it like Latin? I can't remember. It's not like Take My Hand. No, that's the end of season two. Ugh, I can't remember. Can you Google yep. it? <laughs> uh, season this is like a thing that I 14. wish I knew. I think I know. 14, the war uh, without, the war within. The war without, the wolf inside, and the war without. And episode 13 is... No, no, no the, war um, with, the war without, the war within. No wolves. Oh, the war without, the war within. Yep. Is the full title. Is the full title. I did not remember that. But episode 12, uh, episode 13 is past his prologue. Is that right? What's past is prologue. What's past is prologue. Yes. Well, that's the that's the actual phrase. What's past is prologue. Anyway, those are two. If you thought these episodes are crazy. Oh. Well, our fans, our lovely viewers <laughs> and listeners, have asked to help them through it. This, these are some complicated episodes and themes. And Aki breaks it down, or runs yeah. it down, rather nicely. I run it down. It's one of the... One of the only ways I ever run. So uh, we'll see you next week for episodes 13 and 14. I'll be running. Uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us. If you enjoy the program, you can catch us every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live or as a podcast every Monday, wherever podcasts come from. Please subscribe. Yep. We are on Facebook and the old Instagram, and I'm having fun sharing our, some some interesting quotes and our favorite characters from various episodes. So please do join us there at Set Phasers Podcast and join in the conversation of all things Trek. Yes, and if you want to support our continuing mission to discover what Discovery has in store for us, we'd only be delighted. You can patronize us, we can take it, by going to patreon.com slash setphasers. Until next time. I'm Steph Manns. And I'm Aki Burmese. And this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer. and program. Mm-hmm.